I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save. Visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. Dot com. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it'll get you, though? For just $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values. Go to puretalk.com slash clay to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash clay welcome to today's edition of the rush limbaugh show podcast and hello everybody it's great to be back it is just a thrill and a delight to be back here behind the golden eib microphone and i really appreciate your uh, your patience and your hanging in there supporting our guest host todd herman last thursday and friday uh mark stein all the rest of the guys i uh, i just I, I really do appreciate it but it is so good to be back. Here's the telephone number. If you want to be on the program, it's 800-282-2882. And the email address is lrushbo at eibnet.us. Okay, time for an update on my condition, my circumstances, my, my treatment. I told you all from the very beginning that I did not want to be a cancer patient here on the radio. Now, those of you who have been through this or have had family members go through it, you you know that it takes over your life if you let it. Uh, you know that it has deep-seated psychological impacts on everybody in your family, including uh, the person who has come down with it. And it, it, it takes a yeoman's effort to get past all that. It takes a, a, lot, of, a lot of effort to try to live what used to be and what you try to make a a normal life again. But there's always that cloud hanging out over there. So rather than talk about blood draws and all of the medical specifics, what I thought I would do was use a sports analogy. And since I used to work for the Kansas City Royals, I understand baseball a bit. Baseball is probably the best sport to use to analogize where I am. Uh, to date, in my treatment, for what is, for those of you who don't know, there's new people listening and tuning in each and every day, advanced stage lung cancer, which was diagnosed back in January on the uh, 20th. So leaning on my time with the Kansas City Royals, I thought the best way to, to update you and to inform you would be 
with a baseball analogy. And it was in late January that we learned of the diagnosis. That, that means we learned of a really tough opponent. So it was time to go up to bat. Time to walk to the plate, bat in hand. And that is exactly what happened. And my first two at-bats were horrible. My first two at-bats struck out. Nothing to show for it. The first two attempts to deal with the cancer failed. One was a targeted therapy of clinical trial drugs, which worked but nearly killed me in the process. And so we had to get off of those. But it did, you know, my, 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 that, that at bat showed me I could hit pitch. I wasn't going to strike out. I, I was even, at least able to make contact. We had, we had some, some hope that there would be a remedy. Second at bat, after we had to get off that, after the first of the second at bat was a total and complete failure. I struck out on three pitches, did not even make contact. So I'm now up in the bottom of the ninth. I'm 0 for 2. I have not reached first base. I didn't coax a walk out of anybody. I didn't get a hit, much less a double or a triple. But in my third at bat, the third attempt, I managed to get on base. I hit a solid single and then stole second. I'm currently on second base, hoping to slide into third and eventually make it all the way home. We're in the bottom of the ninth. If I get all the way home, we get extra innings. And that's what we're shooting for here. We're shooting another reason why I chose baseball. Football and basketball have a clock in the end. Baseball doesn't. Baseball goes as long as the game is tied. Right now, I am tied. I need to round the bases and score. I need however it happens. I need either steal third. I need to steal home. Um, guy hitting behind me needs to come up with something. But that's what we're shooting for here is extra innings. And we want as many of them as we can get. Now, don't be alarmed by my direct mention of the first two at-bats being total failures. One of them was, well, they were both total failures, but one of them held promise. The current treatment regimen, and it's, folks, it's really tough because I know that you have, you've known people or you've, you've heard other people that are in media who are going through this illness or any other kind of illness. They're so eager to share with you good news that they do. And sometimes they get premature sharing the good news and it isn't long. They have to come to, uh, uh, oh, we've, uh, lost ground, or it's come back, or what have you. And so I am and vowed to be very guarded with the, with the good news because we're talking about cancer. There are good days, good weeks, 
There are bad days and bad weeks. This past period, I was uh, this past treatment, which was a week ago tomorrow, this has been uh, much better than I thought. I was expecting, because of the cumulative effect of the toxicity, I was expecting to be, you know, in, in that in that just debilitating fatigue for 10 days. And I wasn't. It lasted two days, Thursday and Friday. The weekend was good. But again, anything can change rapidly and and on a dime. So it's a blessing. I believe prayer works. I know it does. It is It is a blessing that in my third at bat, the last shot that I had at this, I got on base, and I stole second, and I'm I'm chugging on to third, and I'm very confident that I'm going to score. I'm very confident that this is going to go into extra innings, meaning, well, you know what it means. I'm, I'm that's trying to avoid here as being specific in the uh, in the lingo here. And again, that's simply because how rapidly things can change with uh, with this kind of diagnosis. But I'm feeling extremely good right now, even even cautious about saying that. Who knows what tomorrow's going to happen, a good days and bad days. But I told you I would share information with you, and I told you I would uh, keep you abreast of it. And so that's pretty much it. That's the sum total of it. I mean, I, I could be even more optimistic if I wanted to because there is uh, reason to be, but but – Again, when every phase and stage happens, that's an improvement, I'll be sure, and and, uh, and and pass it on. Bottom line is I'm entirely capable of being here today. My, uh, my energy level is great. I'm doing extremely well, and I, I, I don't think anybody would mind if I told you, honestly, that I am doing better at this stage than I thought I was going to be doing. But again, folks, I know these people who have who've gone through this and they're so eager to share good news, and they do, and then the next day, in some cases, or the next week, they have to pull it all back because that's how rapidly uh, things can change. But sitting here right now, I can tell you that the... Uh, attitude I have is, and and the way I'm feeling physically, is much better than I thought I would be, particularly after the first two strikeouts. I mean, they were total failures, total strikeouts. And one of those times at bat was what we thought was the promise. One of those times at bat was where we thought the genuine long-term answer was. And when that didn't work, it was, oh, no. So the alternative is, um, is, is it's come through. It's, it's doing well. I'm responding, translation, I'm responding very well to the treatment. My body overall is responding very well to the treatment that I'm getting. And, you know, again, psychologically... I don't know what role psychology plays in recovery. There are people that would tell you a positive mental attitude counts for something, counts for a lot. Some would say counts for nothing. Uh, 
Well, I'm an optimist anyway, so I so I don't have to work at being optimistic. But the the, the psychological uh, pull that accompanies this, and particularly for people in your family, it, it, it is as tough on them as it is on the quote unquote patient. And they are to be applauded for the courage that they exhibit dealing with it. It's just it's just incredible the support that I have and the patience that uh, that people have with me. Because there's a you know if I if I if I lose control I start blaming myself. I blame myself for ruining people's lives here. And I'll tell them that and I apologize for it. and they say Nobody deserves to get what you got. You can't blame yourself for this. It's the support that I've had, particularly from uh, from my wife, is just as I've told you, it's impossible to characterize. So that's the update. The upshot of it is, I've rounded second base. I'm pushing for extra innings. I got to score. I got to get around a home plate to tie the game and to extend the game for as many extra innings. As I can. And it looks like sitting here today that it may happen. I got to take a brief break. We'll come back and get started with all the rest of the program today, right after this. Greetings and welcome back, Rush Limboy. And folks, there was a Supreme Court ruling today. Now, this is fascinating. I can't find it on Drudge. I spent the last three and a half minutes looking for the link. The whole break, it was up there. It has been taken down. I don't know what's going on there. But essentially, there was a unanimous Supreme Court ruling today about the Electoral College. And it, it essentially said it was a it was a gigantic you to the left. It essentially says that electors in the Electoral College must follow the popular vote in their states. They cannot go rogue. Unanimous decision. This was... An attempt, if you, if you recall, part of the massive attempt in 2016 to undermine the electoral process, to overturn the election results. The left started pressuring the electors in the various states to vote against Trump and to vote for Hillary. They put all kinds of pressure on them. There was blackmail, silent blackmail. We don't know for sure, but there were all kinds of attempts. Some were public, some were private, to pressure uh, the electors, and it's a it's a it's a it's a ceremonial honor to be an elector. the The way the presidential election works is the electoral college actually elects the president. The reason this happens very very quickly is to is balance of power. Uh, if if there were no electoral college, the, the the states of New York and California would elect the president every year. The electoral college takes care of the imbalance of the popular vote based on where people live. And it assigns a number of electors to each state that roughly corresponds with a congressional delegation from each state, the representation, plus the senators that they have, and then mandates that the electors of that state vote the way the people of that state voted in the election. The electors, as I say, it's, it's, a, it's a plum political appointment. It it's an honor it's, it doesn't carry any official weight because they have to do what they have to do. They're not allowed to vote independently. And the, and the left attempted to change that. The left attempted to get rid of the entire concept of the Electoral College. 
precisely because they look at it as an unfair burden against them and their totalitarian desires to run the country. And a unanimous Supreme Court decision, this is incredible, not even the four leftist judges had the temerity here to take on the Electoral College. It was a it was a huge stand-up, a huge show of support for the for the Constitution. And the fact that it happened unanimously, that vanquished this effort unanimously, is a big deal. This was it was called the faithless elector case. And it's it's a major defeat for the losers who are demanding to get rid of the Electoral College because they want the unfair advantage of disproportionate population location. Now, if if you don't understand this per se, let me make it very easy for you. You need, no matter what anybody tells you, you need to support the Electoral College and you need to thank your founding fathers for it because it ensures that Everybody in this country has a role in electing the president. If they were succeed, to succeed and get rid of the Electoral College, five or six states would determine the presidency every election. What would that do to turnout? If that, you know, if that were the case, let, let's say that New York, California, so Texas in there, and maybe Illinois, that's the only place presidential candidates would go to campaign if those were the four states that elected them if the popular vote elected the president then that's the only place presidential candidates would go if you live in ohio or florida you'd never see you wouldn't see a presidential candidate ah oh, maybe a perfunctory visit show up to fundraise but you wouldn't see them you would there would be no such thing as battleground states there would be no such thing as any of the intricacies that exist. And I'll tell you something else. It'd be much easier to rig if all you had to do was fix the election in four or five states. Right, Mr. Snurdly? And that's that's that it, it's the Electoral College is just one more example of the absolute genius and brilliance of the people who founded this country and wrote the United States Constitution. Don't doubt me on this. Now, Donald Trump over the weekend, this is fat. Folks, do you remember when I mentioned to you during the 2016 campaign, here comes Trump and here comes his slogan, make America great again. Do you realize that slogan was controversial? That slogan, we should have seen it then. Well, I mean, we did, but I don't think we attached a deep enough meaning to it. Make America great again. I mean, we've known that there are leftists and we've known that there are people don't like America. But how many of you knew back in 2016 that the hatred, the vile, despicable hatred for this country was as deeply embedded as it is? You didn't. You might have suspected there was some of it. But here comes Make America Great Again, and that's controversial? And then that becomes racist? And then that becomes Trump secretly trying to reestablish the white supremacy of the founding? 
And we're sitting here, what we always do, we laugh about it and we chuckle about it. We say no reasonable person's ever going to agree with it. And then we find out that a hell of a lot more people than we ever figured would agree with it do agree with it. So we start asking ourselves why. And the answer is clear as a bell. We've lost teachers. We have lost public education, not to mention academe. We have lost higher education. We have a bunch of left-wing activists disguised as teachers who have literally been for almost two generations now poisoning with hatred and vile racism the innocent young skulls full of mush students who show up in their classrooms. And that's what we're going to have to reverse ultimately. I see the clock big break coming up here, folks, but we will be back and continue after this. Hang on. Hi, welcome back, Rush Limbaugh and the EIB Network. I, America's real anchorman, executing assigned host duties flawlessly because I do the assigning, and I never assign myself stuff I can't do. So it always works. Uh, Here is an actual news story to go along with the Supreme Court ruling just so that you have the uh, official understanding of it. U.S. Supreme Court unanimously ruled today that the 538 people who cast the actual... And by the way, you know what? I'm going to have to stop. Because I have now come to realize that it's entirely possible that a sizable percentage of you in this audience have no idea what the Electoral College is, depending on your age. Or if you do know what it is, you don't know what it really is because your mind has been distorted. Well, look, you in this audience are probably... Unique in that you are exceedingly informed, uh, educated, and understanding. But but it's still, the Electoral College, this is something when I was growing up, everybody knew what it was. Everybody knew why it was. Everybody could explain what its purpose was. And then I've got to realize for the past at least 25 and maybe 40 years People born in that time may not have the slightest ability to tell you what it is other than to tell you it's an unfair example of white supremacy guaranteed to elect slave masters as president. That's that's what people have been taught that it is. And, of course, nothing could be further from the truth. U.S. Supreme Court ruled today 538 people who cast the actual votes for president in December as members of the Electoral College, must vote the way the laws of their state direct. They can't be faithless. They can't go rogue. They cannot vote any other way than the law of their state demands. And in the vast majority of states, they must follow the popular vote of the state. Now, Some states, some left-wing wacko states, are going to try to change their laws that will permit the electors to go rogue. We'll see what happens with that. This ruling was unanimous against advocates attempting to change the Electoral College and shift the country toward a nationwide popular voting system for the the presidency. And it, it failed miserably. So we have a lot on the uh, agenda here today, folks. We have the president and his agenda, his two speeches over the weekend. Uh, Here's Trump at at, at, uh, Mount Rushmore. 
Yeah, yeah, I do. And I ever I keep waiting for people to mispronounce it, say Mount Rush Limbaugh. But it's never happened. And then he, and then he, the, the great speech on on Saturday night at the White House. And here comes the drive-by media. All he did was stand up for this country. It's history. It's founding. They call it divisive. They call the speeches that he made divisive for crying out loud. It's the same as make America great again somehow becomes controversial. Who wouldn't want their country to be great? Well, we're learning. We're finding out. We're finding out now part of the chant, America never was great. America can't be great and all that. And these people that are behind this movement don't have the slightest idea of the history of this country. They haven't been taught the truth of it and have made a decision. They've had their minds corrupted. They have not been told the truth of George Washington. They don't know what George Washington did. They haven't been taught the truth of Thomas Jefferson, the greatness of these people, and then made up their minds that they didn't like it. They have been fed crap and BS from the moment they walked into classrooms where Washington and Jefferson and Adams are being taught. So they haven't been educated properly and then made up their minds. They people have been propagandized or worse. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know. They don't have the slightest clue. And Trump even says that. I think Trump gave a terrific speech at Mount Rushmore. We could spend the whole show talking about it, if I chose to. And at the risk, ladies and gentlemen, of sounding immodest, it's exactly what I have been hoping he would do. He even used the phrase, preserving the American way of life. Preserving the American way of life is exactly what we are all invested in. It's exactly what we face. The American way of life is the United States Constitution. Do you know what the greatest blow against slavery in the world has been? Not the Civil War, although it's a big one. The United States Constitution was the biggest assault on slavery the world has ever known. What do you mean, Rush? Because the United States Constitution is the repository of the documented freedom of every human being. The United States Constitution is where it is enshrined, along with other founding declaration, is where it's enshrined that all men are created equal. Created equal by God. Not by Black Lives Matter. Not by government. Not by Occupy Wall Street. Not by... Barack Obama, not by the chop zone, but rather by God. Now, you might be saying, well, wait a minute, Rush. If, 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 the, if you think the Constitution was the greatest blow against slavery, then how come slavery existed? Well, again, I can tell you it was all about the Union. It was all about needing the 13 colonies to unite in order to declare independence. The southern colonies did not want to give it up. If you go back and read your history, you will find the northern colonists bit their teeth, didn't want any part of it, but they needed the Union. And so the Union had to, had to be in existence before they could declare independence. 
but it was the Constitution that enabled Abraham Lincoln to embark on the Civil War. Because this country could not stand as founded if slavery were to continue because of the Constitution. The Constitution did not espouse slavery. The Constitution did not maintain it. The Constitution did not provide for it. The Constitution, in fact, provided the way to end it, the premise to end it, the premise that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, meaning they can't be taken away, and among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is now the stuff of racism and controversy and hatred? No. This is the stuff of abject, total ignorance promulgated by a bunch of irresponsible teachers in middle school, high school, and the university. This country is the greatest blow for freedom of the individual human being there has ever been in human history. The Constitution did not enshrine white supremacy or any other supremacy. It did not enshrine racism. It provided the way out. It provided the route out. It provided the mechanism out. And guess what? 600,000 Americans died to end slavery. 600,000 Americans, most of whom did not own slaves. They were residents of the North who joined the Union Army. Anyway, I think Trump's speech, it was exactly uh, what I've been saying he should do. Push back against this cultural revolution that is now clearly determined to tear down our history, to tear down our culture, and to tear down our entire way of life, not to mention tear down the country. And it was gutsy. And it was courageous because Trump's all alone. He doesn't have a bunch of Republicans standing up and celebrating him, and they damn well ought to be. He doesn't have a bunch of people other than us, other than you, He doesn't have a bunch of people standing up and cheering him on. He's standing up for the founding of this country. He is standing up for the defense of this country. He's standing up for the preservation of the American way of life. The American way of life has shown the way for everybody else on this planet. It makes no sense, the hatred of this country. It literally makes no common sense unless you acknowledge that the people harboring this hatred don't know what they hate because they have not been told the truth of the magnificence and the greatness of the founding fathers, of the founding documents, of the efforts that were made to establish independence, 
a country that has come to the rescue of every other nation on earth during times of disaster and has not asked anything in return. A nation that has the ability to project power unlike any other nation on earth, and we do not use it to conquer other people or other countries. In fact, we use our might and power to liberate people from oppression, poverty, misery, and yes, slavery. A brief break. We'll come back and continue with more right after this. Hi, welcome back. Great to have you. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network, the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Studies of All Things that uh, that that matter. Uh, in, in addition to the, the Trump speeches, which we will get into, we'll play excerpts of from the audio soundbite roster, uh, there's also gigantic uh, COVID-19 news. And the, the thrust of most of the COVID-19 news is to get you eventually to fall in with shutting down the country again. That's where all of this is headed. What you need to know... Well, you need to avoid this. You need to, you need to not go along with this idea of shutting down the entire economy again, shutting down entire states. What they're not telling you is the death rate. The death rate is falling, but you don't know that because they're simply reporting this massive increase in cases. And you're supposed to assume that every case equals a death. This is due to media irresponsibility and propaganda as well. So record number of cases in Florida said every day, not in deaths, folks. The number, in fact, you'd be stunned. You probably think that the number one state for deaths due to coronavirus, what would you say? Probably Florida, right? Based on the reporting. I mean, 10,000 new cases a day. Every day is a new record. 11,000 new cases. Oh, my God. Shutting down the bars and restaurants in Miami. Oh, my God. Shutting down in Palm Beach. Oh, my God. You think that death is crazy high in Florida and in Texas. Notice all these states that they're reporting these massive increasing cases. Texas. Florida. They don't tell you about Georgia, by the way. Well... I have a little chart here, folks. COVID-19 deaths per million. And the number one state for... And this is is not a factor of population because this is per million. The number one state where death is occurring to COVID-19 is New Jersey. Wait a minute. New Jersey? I don't even hear about New Jersey on the news. New Jersey? They're not even telling me about the number of new cases in New Jersey. All I'm hearing about is Florida and Texas. Yep. Um, 1,718 deaths per million. What number two is? Number two happens to be Andrew Cuomo State, New York. 1,656 deaths per million. New York? Why, they're telling me New York is on a downturn. They're telling me New York is getting better. They're telling me no new cases in New York, right? Or it's really trending down. All I'm hearing about is Florida. All I'm hearing about is tech. Okay, well, let's find Florida. What's we do? Uh, Florida, 172 deaths per million. 172. Well, well, let's see. 
the United States average, by the way, is 400. So Florida, let's see, uh, let's see, Texas, Texas, 91. 91 deaths per minute, Texas. And yet the news you hear every day is all these new cases. Massive new cases, record numbers of new cases. In Florida, in Texas, we got to shut down the country. Oh, my God, it's getting out of control again. Well, the number of people dying in Texas and Florida. Andy Gord, one is too many, don't misunderstand, but we're nowhere near in Florida or Texas. We're nowhere near the leading states, which are New York and New Jersey, following that, by the way, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, D.C., Louisiana, Michigan, Illinois. Uh, You have to get, let's see, Ohio is 251 deaths per million. Let's see. Let me find Arizona because there's another state they're pushing big. Where is Arizona? Arizona may be so low, it's not on the list. Arizona is at 250, it looks like. Right under Ohio at 251. But you wouldn't know this because they're not telling you. They're not reporting the number of deaths per million. In other words, they're not reporting the survivability rate. The answer here, don't mandate closures. Don't mandate social, don't even mandate mask wearing. Encourage people who are old or who have a compromised immune system to stay quarantined, stay hidden away, do not go out. But let the young and the healthy go out and live their lives. Go ahead and live their lives and spread herd immunity because that's ultimately, till we get therapeutics or a vaccine, herd immunity is going to be the answer to this. Let me take a brief timeout. Time is rolling by rapidly. Back after this. Folks, you just have to remember, you have to try to remember vast majority of what you're reading or seeing in media just isn't true. It's stunning how much of it's not true, but it's the fact of the matter. Get used to it. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. Welcome back. Great to have you. Rush Limbaugh here behind the one and only Golden EIB microphone. With broadcast excellence. Telephone number 800-282-2882. We're going to be Uh, Getting to your calls here as uh, quickly as possible in this busy broadcast hour. You know, we have have repeatedly uh, said, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, these, these protests and riots are being led by college-aged kids who literally know nothing about American history. They have not been taught the truth. This is key to understand. They have not been taught the truth of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, the founding, and then made up their minds that they think these guys are reprobates and creeps. And They've not been taught the truth. They have been propagandized and indoctrinated from the get-go. They have been filled with hatred. Pure and simple. So, it, but they think that they've been taught the truth. Finally, that 
200 years, 240 years of education in this country was the lie and that the period of time that they've been in school was the truth. But the fact of the matter is, and it is very important, they haven't been taught the truth. They've not made up their minds independently of anything. They have been propagandized and they have been uh, indoctrinated. They've been taught to hate America. And it has to be pushed back against. It can't be tolerated. To push back against it is said to be divisive. What are we supposed to do? In the name of tolerance, just sit here and accept the lies that these kids have been taught? Accept the lies as a sign of tolerance or fairness or what have you? How is it divisive to stand up for the truth? So Trump stands up for the truth, stands up for the truth of the country, the greatness of the country, and he's divisive? Trump's not tearing down statues. Trump is not defacing relics. Trump is not trying to damage or erase our history. He's trying to restore it and maintain it. That's divisive? How in the world does Black Lives Matter escape the characterization of divisive? How do any of these left-wing protest groups escape that they are the ones who are divisive? It's obvious. Some of our schools and universities have become some of the most anti-American places on earth. Indoctrination centers for anti-American propaganda. Campus Reform, great website. They went out, they spoke with young American students ahead of the 4th of July to see what they knew about the holiday. And even though, even though most of the students at Campus Reform interviewed said that America was a racist country, most of them couldn't answer even the simplest questions about Independence Day. They didn't have any idea. Fourth of July, Independence Day, I have no idea what it was. College people. College educated people. Students were asked, for example, what the holiday commemorates. They were asked which year the country declared independence. They were asked which nation the United States declared independence from and which was fought for American independence. What war? Many could not answer any of these questions. Some answered that America gained its independence in the 20th century. Others said the corresponding war was the Civil War. World War I, World War II. They had no concept of the war for it. How, how do you get into college and not know it? Because the SATs have been corrupted. Because the entrance exams have been corrupted to coordinate with what people have been taught in high school. It's a concerted effort. The education, you know the name Howard Zinn. Howard Zinn is the author of the textbook used all across America. The guy's a Marxist. He hates America. He always has. How it become the number one textbook, I'll never know. Well, uh, the answer is obvious. The leftists are everywhere. Our education system is lost. We have totally, totally lost it. And during this two generations of loss, we've had American parents striving 
sacrificing to come up with 40 grand, 50 grand, 30 grand a year to send their kids off to be propagandized. And they've done it with pride. They've done it with great pride that they've been able to get their kids into these colleges. We are looking, folks, at a massive failure of the American education system. Or you could look at it the other way, a triumph. These these people are showing what's possible when you get hold of the education. Imagine if genuine American-loving patriots had been in charge of the education system for the last 50 years. It it wouldn't have been necessary to even elect Trump. That's not a put-down. Just telling you Trump would not have been unique. Make America great again would not have been necessary. People would have believed that that was the objective every day, and they would have believed that we've met the objective. And now we've got teachers. I read teachers in northern Virginia, i.e. Washington suburbs, are demanding hazard pay for the coming school year. Teachers who have been doing nothing since March want hazard pay. They want special pay. People stocking shelves in grocery stores and trucking and delivering supplies all over the country. They haven't made such demands. Teachers, hazard pay? Because what? The virus? Where's your commitment, teachers? You people have been... And look, I know there's exceptions. Don't miss it. But how many times have you heard a caller to this program, a teacher, a conservative in either a high school or a college, and they whisper it? And they tell us they're using a fake name because they don't want to be identified. There's always a renegade conservative professor somewhere at some university, some college, some high school. We hear from them. Wish I had a dollar for every time I have addressed the issue of our declining education. Because we have, we, we, we have seen, folks, as I say, there's two ways to look at this. You can look at it as the abject failure of the education system, or you can look at how they've triumphed. They have demonstrated what you can do if you control the education system. Folks, in less than two generations, they have what percentage of this country literally hating it? And you see these white, educated women who have really been propagandized with feminism and LGBTQ and all this other stuff, and they just walk around in a constant state of hatred. And they're yelling at the black cops. They're yelling at everybody. It's senseless. They look insane. They have been indoctrinated and ginned up with such hatred they can't even contain it. The idea that they might have happy lives, forget it. And they don't know what they're talking about. They haven't the slightest idea. But they think only they are the experts. So, you know, I'm I, I'm happy whenever I hear Republicans talking about education, school choice, homeschooling, when I hear Trump talk about it, because it is 
crucially, crucially important. Let's listen to some of the president, Mount Rushmore. We'll start here. Uh, and I want you to keep in mind that what you hear him say here, Dad Balls, the Washington Post, and anywhere else in the media, this is divisive. This is not unifying the country. This is Trump speaking only to his base. Trump is not attempting to unify. How the hell is Trump supposed to unify with people who hate the country? This is the sad thing. Folks, we don't have anything in common anymore. There's not one thing in common that binds all of us Americans together. Not even the defense of the country binds us together anymore. But I tell you, I resent the hell out of the fact that it's Trump or you or me who are divisive. We're not trying to divide anybody. They have divided this nation. We're trying to reassemble it. To preserve it. So here is the president at Mount Rushmore. We'll just pick some random bites here and see what you think. Today we pay tribute to the exceptional lives and extraordinary legacies of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt. I am here as your president to proclaim before the country and before the world this monument will never be desecrated. These heroes will never be defaced. Their legacy will never, ever be destroyed. Their achievements will never be forgotten. And Mount Rushmore will stand forever as an eternal tribute to our forefathers and to our freedom. Now, you keep in mind... That there's a group of people, a sizable group of people in this country who hate that idea. Who literally hate the idea that Mount Rushmore will stand forever. As a tribute to our forefathers and to our freedom. Understand there are people who want Mount Rushmore desecrated, destroyed, blown up, what have you. And they don't even know why. They have at the slightest idea why here's the next bite our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history defame our heroes erase our values and indoctrinate our children angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders to face our most sacred memorials and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they're doing this. Exactly. But some know exactly what they are doing. Yeah, true. They true. think the American people are weak and soft and submissive. But no, the American people are strong and proud, and they will not allow our country and all of its values, history, and culture to be taken from them. I hope he's right. I hope he's right about that, because it seems to me that he's the only one speaking up in the elected class. In the elected class. Not, I'm not, of course, we're speaking up here. But in the elected class, he's the only one speaking up that I hear anyway. wonder why. One more bite, then we'll grab a quick phone call here. Those who seek to erase our heritage want Americans to forget our pride and our great 
dignity so that we can no longer understand ourselves or America's destiny. In toppling the heroes of 1776, they seek to dissolve the bonds of love and loyalty that we feel for our country and that we feel for each other. Their goal is not a better America. Their goal is to end America. Yep. In its place, they want power for themselves. But just as patriots did in centuries past, the American people will stand in their way, and we will win, and win quickly and with great dignity. Yeah, now, there's one thing about this. The president says their goal is not a better America. Their goal is to end America in its place. They want power for themselves. That's true of, of, of some. But this rank and file out there, uh, they have no idea what they're doing. I mean, they hate they hate America, and they think what they're doing is is virtuous in that sense. But but if these people think that destroying America is somehow going to empower them, I mean, these yokels on the on the protest march, they haven't the slightest idea what's going to happen to them. They have this. They ought to go to Venezuela. They ought to go to Cuba. Find out what happens to average citizens after the totalitarians take over. You know what's going to happen? There's, I've got a story in the stack here. Guess what? John Kerry, who served in Vietnam and became rich by marrying a ketchup heir, Teresa Hines Kerry, and Al Gore, who has made a mint on the global warming hoax. You know what they're out there demanding? A capitalist reset. It's time to reset capitalism. You know what that means? It means they've now got theirs. They have their fortunes. Carrie married the, 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 the ketchup uh, heir. And she's lost her mind, so he's got control. And Al Gore's got his uh, global warming fortune. So now, now that they have theirs, guess what it's time for? It's time for socialism. Called a capitalist reset. It's time for all you people on a protest march to get poor and stay poor. You don't have the ability to marry ketchup air. You don't have the ability to get rich on global warming. You don't have the ability to earn anything doing anything because you haven't been taught how. You haven't been educated to earn a living. You haven't been educated to become prosperous. You don't even know what. You've been taught that prosperity is evil and racist and mean. Guess what? You are destined for poverty your whole life at the hands of the socialist totalitarians you think are going to empower you. You little protesters have no clue what's headed your way. If you prevail. And now, my friends, a brief break. An obscene profit timeout, and then we will be right back. Okay, let's get to the phones. Uh, we have uh, Duke. Duke, uh, what a date in Ohio. Duke, great to have you on EIB Network. Hello, sir. Thank you, Rush. Megadiddos, you're in our prayers, and thank you for what you do for this great nation. Thank you very much, sir. I called um, with concern. I was shocked, happily shocked about the Supreme Court decision being unanimous. My concern, though, is less about rogue electors or even a cabal of rogue electors. And my concern is this whole national popular vote interstate compact that the Democrats latched onto a few years ago. And it's my understanding that a few of the state legislatures in Democrat-controlled states with Democrat governors have actually signed that. So the electors could ignore the will 
of their state voters, effectively disenfranchising the uh, the conservative voters. All right, now if the, I, I'm a look, I can't. I'm, I'm woefully uninformed on this. I, I'm not. I'm not sure that they can just say we're going to do it and do it. I think there has to be legislation within each of these states to uh, to accomplish this. The governors can't just declare how they're going to run the electoral college unless unless you know more than I do. Uh, no, sir, and I apologize. I, I was driving and, and I wasn't able to get online and, and see the latest. It was my understanding a couple of years ago that a few states had already passed that as their state law. And that a few Democrat governors to sign it, and I may be incorrect on that. Well, no, you could you you, you could be. I, I know Colorado was hot to trot on this, uh, but I I don't know the status of of the move. I know that when they bombed out in their attempts to intimidate individual electors in 2016, they then shifted gears and then they got Jill Stein involved and they made moves on on the states and the governors. I don't know. I just. I literally don't know how much movement there has been, how many changes there have been since then that would uh, – you're worried about the Supreme Court ruling eventually being meaningless or toothless because states will come up with ways around it now. Yes, sir. well, and that was my concern. Like I say, a handful of rogue electors, even a, a small cabal, to me isn't as big a threat as all of a sudden a bunch of states that went Republican or they were you know, the, the battleground states – when you have the kind of fraud that we saw last time with Hillary and, and those questionable millions of votes, all of a sudden now we have states that were solidly Republicans won. But this, if this was passed by a Democrat governor or legislation at the state level signed by a Democrat governor, all of those voters are now disenfranchised. And they're saying, hey, we're following the Supreme Court ruling. It's our state law that compels us to give all of our votes to the national Regardless of what our state. Was. Well, I'll just have to tell you, I'm I, I have no idea. I don't know. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and fake it and act like I do. So okay, I don't I know. if any, I don't know if any states have done this. I don't know if they're just talking. I know they were talking about it four years ago, but I don't know how many, if any, have done it. I don't know if enough have done it to thwart the entire electoral college. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll have to uh, I'll have to look into it. Bottom line, the Supreme Court ruling uh, uh, in and of itself was enough of a positive because it was unanimous and it uh, it essentially backed up the Constitution that the electors have to follow the popular vote in their states. Back in a sec, folks. This is Hallie in, uh, in Lynn, Missouri, as we stick with the phones. Great to have you with us today. Hi. Hi, Mr. Rush. My, uh, it's such an honor to be talking with you. My family and I were such big fans. I've been I'm known as what's uh, Rush Baby. I've been listening to you for 19 years now. Wow. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, I wanted to say how many great points you brought up today about the Electoral College, our education system, and how people genuinely hate America because that's what we were taught at a young age. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I think as a... I think as uh, leaders of tomorrow, people around my age should be paying more attention about what's going on in the world right now, because we're the, we're going to be leading the country soon. And we don't want to repeat what's going on here, because I agree that it's the totalitarianism that they're trying to accomplish. The well, look, they've 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 I don't know what these kids have shown up in high school 
some cases, middle school, going on to college, skulls full of mush. They didn't know anything. They were coddled and they were told they were special. They were told only they were capable of learning the real truth about America. And then they were bombarded with this crap that they're running around acting on. And uh, they, they, they have been primed to take over the leadership position that they think is theirs. And they're finally going to put this country in the right place where it needs to be. And it isn't great. And it isn't special. And it isn't exceptional. And they're going to make sure that everybody understands what a racist, bigoted, homophobic place this always has been. That's, that's, that's their objective. Yes, that's so true. I, I just wish that, um, like you said before, we had loving, patriotic people writing the history books instead of, instead of whoever's writing them now because they don't have the history right. Uh, no, they don't have the history right. They purposely are distorting it. The name is Howard Zinn, Z-I-N-N. Google Howard Zinn. You'll find out what's corrupted the American education, the history at least, and that's that's where it all uh, basically happens. Anyway, uh, Hallie, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. David Chicago, you're next. Hello, sir. Mr. Lumbo, uh, such an honor to speak with you. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm, I'm actually I paused my TV from early this morning. It says 77 people shot in Chicago, 14 people killed. Underneath that, it says major cities plagued by violence over the weekend. And um, there's people that say they want to defund the police. And I say, then shh. Show us that we don't need them. Stop the killing in your neighborhood. Let us believe that we can be safe without them. Um, actually, that would be wonderful if they could do that. Community, stand up and say enough is enough. Not in my neighborhood. I'm not seeing it. No, and you won't see it. There's never going to come a day. It'll never happen where you can do without the police. And the, the reason is not complicated. There are bad people born every day. You can call them evil. You can call them mean. Whatever. It's the nature of things. Not everybody is law-abiding. Not everybody is moral. Not everybody's nice. Not everybody's fair. I got a bunch of people that are mean, extremist, wacko SOBs. We have a bunch of people who have zero morality whatsoever. And they don't care that they don't have any morality. We have people who have no conscience. We have people who have no concern for anybody else. We have people who are simply put mean-spirited, rotten to the core. It's just the way they come out of the womb. And there's nothing that you can do that's going to change them. Because if there were, we've had how many thousands of years of the human condition to try to remedy it? We've tried remedial behavior, remedial prison. We can't fix it. There's always going to be the need for cops. There's always going to be the need for law enforcement because not everybody obeys the law. There's always going to be a need for prisons because not everybody can be trusted to roam free among the law abiding. Well, Rush, that sounds really depressing. That's just reality, folks. You want to improve that? You want to improve the numbers? then you steer people to God. You want them to be moral, steer them to God. You want people to have a conscience, steer them to God. You want to get people straightened up, tell them that there's something bigger than themselves. 
Tell them there's something vastly more important than themselves. Tell them that there is something out there that can greatly improve their lives. But we can't do that, see, because that's part of the white supremacy movement. Religion. God. Jesus. Can't do that. That's part of the white supremacy power structure. But that's where the remedy, to the extent that we have any, that's where the remedies for all of this degrading behavior occurs. Now, I have done, uh, th- thanks for the call, David, I've done a little uh, research here in this electoral college thing. Follow along here as I, as I attempt to explain what I've learned. And then have more time to look at this, obviously, when the program is over. The National Popular Voter Interstate Compact is what the caller was talking about, this effort to subvert the Electoral College. As of March 2020, the National Popular Voter Interstate Compact has been adopted by 15 states and the District of Columbia. And those 15 states in D.C. have 196 electoral votes, which is 36% of the Electoral College and 72% of the 270 votes needed to give the compact legal force. But, but hold on. Now, it is my understanding that that doesn't mean anything yet because they have to get a majority of the electoral votes, which is 270, to make what they're doing legal. Now, I'm still checking this, but there is they, – they just can't do what they've done and corrupt the Electoral College. They have to it's – like, it's like amending the Constitution. You have to have a certain number of states agreeing with whatever amendment before it becomes official, and they haven't reached their number yet. Now, this is from the website of the people who are pushing this insanity. Quote, the National Popular Vote Bill has been enacted by 16 jurisdictions possessing 196 electoral votes, including four small states, eight medium-sized states, and three big states. And they're California, Illinois, New York, and, and the District of Columbia. The bill will take effect when enacted by states with 74 more electoral votes. So the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact will go into effect, according to these people, when enacted by states possessing a majority of the electoral votes, i.e. enough to elect a president 270 out of 538, which means that they will have the power to pick the president when they get enough states to sign on to their pact. Uh, now, that I'm, I don't think it ends there. I think there's a lot more hoops that they have to go through. It, it, it simply can't be that simple to corrupt or subvert the electoral college. Maybe it is. I don't know. But they, they have to get enough states where added up, they equal 270 electoral votes, which would then give them the power uh, to elect anybody they want if they vote in unison. Now, this is not to say that all 16 of these states are going to vote the same way every election. 
what are the odds that these states are going to unanimously agree on a candidate? They might unanimously agree to vote against somebody if they think they have the power to do it. But I'm still looking into this, uh, and I know why the caller was worried about it, because what you read makes it sound like these people only 74 votes away, i.e. a number of states to equal 74 electoral votes to totally subvert the system. Quick timeout, back with more in a moment. All right, I want to go back to our last caller who said, hey, if you don't need the cops, prove it. Show us you don't need the cops. Start behaving. And, of course, that uh, that isn't going to happen. I mean, you look at the, the shoot-ups in New York. They're trying to blame Florida for these massive numbers of new cases of COVID-19. Look at the people literally dying at, at the hands of gunshots in New York and in Chicago and in, in Illinois. And, of course, it never, ever gets mentioned that Black Lives Matter doesn't even care about those people because it's black-on-black crime. And, of course, we can't talk about that. But I have a fascinating piece here from Town Hall. Katie Pavlich is the editor of Town Hall. Kevin McCullough writes the piece. The headline, Six Weeks, Six Cities, 600 Murders. And here's the lead. The single most important domestic issue of our time is not the rising number of new people testing positive for COVID-19. You know why? COVID-19 deaths have hit an all-time low. Now, I know you think I am full of it. What do you mean, Rush? I keep seeing these new cases reported every day. We're setting records. New cases, not deaths. They want you to think of these new cases as deaths. They want you to think that everybody that that gets infected with COVID-19 dies from it. It is not the case. Like New Jersey and New York, number one and number two in deaths per million. Florida and Texas are halfway down the list. It's not even close. And yet you think the virus is out of control killing people in Florida and Texas and Arizona. It isn't. COVID-19 deaths have hit all-time lows, expressed as a percentage because we are finding more people who've been infected by way of testing any number of things. The more people infected, folks, it stands to reason that those numbers are going to increase. But at the same time, the number of deaths is going to plummet. The fatality rate is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. No, the single most important domestic issue of our time is not even the continued economic hardship of a nation that was artificially shut down and sent spiraling into a faux recession, which is exactly what it was. The shutdown was never necessary. It wasn't needed. It was a faux recession. It was entirely artificial There was no weakness in the U.S. economy. There was no reason in the economy for what happened to it. We simply shut it down. We had a three-year roaring economy that in two months we destroyed. And the Democrat Party is living off of that to this day. Millions of jobs have been added over the past 60 days. The country's trying to roar back. The skyrocketing unemployment rate has turned around to nearly where it was, percentage-wise, 
during most of the Obama years. Do you know it's it's 11.1%? The Obama average unemployment rate was 9.9%. Do you know that? With Trump, it's 37 The unemployment rate right now is 11.1%. Nope, the single most important issue affecting some of the largest swaths of the population in America is the scandal that's being ignored even as it explodes right in our faces. In only six weeks, now listen to me here, folks. In only six weeks, city after city, operated exclusively by entrenched Democrat governors and mayors have seen a massive expansion in lawlessness, violence, and murder. Many news outlets seem gobsmacked and mystified at how or why such an explosion of lawlessness has occurred. For the sake of brevity, we can examine six of the nation's largest cities, including all of the top three, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, go on down the list. The thing to note here is that in city after city, 600 murders in six weeks in Democrat cities where they're trying to get rid of the police. 600 murders run by Democrats entrenched as governors or mayors. And they've been there for decades. And they've been promising the residents that they're going to stop this kind of thing. These murders and the violence and the crime is not going to happen because they're going to create this socialist utopia that never seems to happen. How do you explain city of Minneapolis? Within 30 days of George Floyd, 30 days of George Floyd, 1,600 shots were fired. Within 30 days of the George Floyd murder, why didn't that shock everybody into submission? Why did it increase the number of shots fired? And then how did the city respond? By voting to dismantle the police, to defund and dismantle police after 1,600 shots. So the single biggest threat to America right now, this moment, is Democrats voting in favor of eliminating the police. And it is these Democrats who are, by extension, responsible for the greater and greater increase in the loss of life. It's not Donald Trump. It's not Donald Trump's voters. It's not, it's not these militias. It's not white supremacy. It's not white privilege. It's not whatever things these lunatics are concocting. It is Democrat-run states where massive numbers of gun shootings and murders and deaths are occurring. Why? Well, I mean, they want to dismantle the cops. What kind of message are you sending to the criminal element in these states? Then you throw in these Marxists and these anarchists showing up and creating total chaos and disorder, and they've lost control. Anyway, got to go. Quick time out. We'll be back and continue right after this. 
And right on cue, here's the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightweight. She's blaming guns and the coronavirus, excuse me, coronavirus for Chicago's increase in violence. They refuse to ever name the real problem, which is them. And since they refuse to name the real problem and nothing ever gets fixed in these Democrat places, it's that simple. Be right back. The views expressed by the host on this program documented to be almost always right. 99.8% of the time, just according to the latest opinion audit that's in from the Sullivan Group, came in last week. Uh, actually, I was happy to see that it had not changed. No reason for it to change. I haven't been wrong enough. You know, you only have to be wrong once to lower it. When you're 99.8 almost, I mean, that's, you got to be, you got to be right like a thousand times. To move it up one-tenth of a point. But you only have to be wrong once to lower it. I mean, most people would not even submit their opinions for audit anymore after having reached this height. But not I, my friends. I continue to submit those uh, opinions for audit. Any new what numbers? Bottle numbers. Model numbers. Oh, oh, oh. Projected model audience numbers. Uh, no, in fact, that's a good. I need, I need to run those models. I haven't. Uh, the last projection that we had was what was it? 50, 50 and a half. Was that what a fifty point? Yeah, fifty point five million. Fifty point five million people listening to the program, according to our model runs. Right. Uh, this is independent of uh, official audience surveys. Um, now, our model runs, you know, they have the added benefit of being right, as opposed to the COVID-19 model runs, who have uh, a remarkable track record of never having been right. And yet they are routinely, consistently relied upon. That's amazing. If this program, if I as host, were held to the standards of your typical government bureaucracy, why, I could have, I could have been... I could have been the number one host in America when I was hosting a show in a town of 25,000 people in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. But, no, you would say that would have been, not. No, that's my point. It would have been impossible in a market that small. Anyway, uh, what, I'm just getting Oh, I just got a flash note. Harvard is not going to hold in-class classes this fall. I mean, Harvard will not hold in-person classes. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen here. And by the way, folks, this is a, this right here, right now, this is a great example of why you think I'm such a good host. I had no idea this news was coming. I had no idea. I got a flash on my Apple Watch. And now I'm prepared to do a 10-minute monologue on what this means. No in-person classes at Harvard. But they're not going to stop the teaching, uh, indoctrination. So how are they going to do it? They're going to do it virtually. The students will be logging in on their computers and their devices. Meaning what? Meaning you don't have to go there. Meaning you don't have to go there. You don't have to get a fancy dorm or a place to live. You don't have to spend the money to live in Cambridge, surrounding areas. 
I know they're not going to lower the tuition, but look at how much it isn't going to cost. And is Harvard going to have an asterisk by every graduate's name which says this person may not have received the full benefit of a Harvard education because none of it happened on campus? No. They're going to maintain that this virtual education uh, by way of online connectivity is just as valuable, is just as good as if the student had been in the classroom. They're undermined. This is what this is what these institutions on the left don't understand. It's the same thing happening to Governor Cuomo. He doesn't know it yet. It's the same thing happening to Phil Murphy in New Jersey. Don't know it yet. It's the same thing that's going to happen to uh, Gavin Newsom in California. Don't know it yet. Let's say you want to work in high tech. And in high tech, the PS that is is known to Silicon Valley. And because it is, rent and housing in Silicon Valley is ridiculously expensive. In fact, it's so expensive you can't live very, very near where you work. You have a commute that is a minimum of one hour. And longer, hour and a half. But what's the upshot? If you can work at Apple or Google or Facebook without having to live there, why would you? If you can have a job at some outfit in Manhattan, but you don't have to live in Manhattan, why would you? Why would you pay? the? And let's take it a step further. If you are a business And you don't have to have employees in your office. Why would you pay the real estate prices in Manhattan? You may not. Now, some people might because of the rich cultural experience uh, of living in... uh, (laughs) The rich cultural experience of living in New York. Now, snurdly is shouting, it's a rich cultural experience. People will value it. Yeah, right. You think people will want to be in New York for the rich cultural experience? Do you, the arts. What do you think's going to happen? Do you think everything's just going to be the same someday? You think New York's going to someday open as though none of this ever happened? The rich cultural experience of New York is a thing of the past like it is in every other city. These people doing their best to coerce everybody into shutting down again are destroying the rich cultural history and past of these great cities and states and places. They are continuing to scare the hell out of everybody with these numbers of new cases. They're trying to tell everybody that that, that they equal the number of deaths, which is not true. What rich cultural experience You're going to see people moving out of New York. People can't afford to maintain businesses there if people can't live there or work there. This, 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 look, it's going to have a breaking point. And Governor Cuomo and these, and these specific Democrat cities and states are purposely staying shut down as their duty, as their contribution to defeating Trump in November. It's, it's their contribution to keeping the national economy from reigniting. I don't know what they think the payoff for them is going to be. But if, if anybody expects all of this to just go back to normal the way it was, 
but nobody remembers the virus and where nobody remembers the lockdown and nobody remembers the shutdown, that ain't going to happen. Sorry, isn't. It isn't going to happen for as long as these mayors and as long as these governors keep their states shut down on the premise that you'll die if they open up. Then somebody explain to me why go there. And make no mistake, they are doing everything they can to convince everybody that if you go there, you're going to die. If you go to Florida, you're going to die. Texas, you're going to die. I, 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 these people, all of this, folks, do not doubt me, it's going to come back and bite these people in ways they can't even see yet because their entire future, what they see in their future is tunnel vision beat Trump. That's all they can see. They can't see any other uh, reaction to their actions. They can't see what they're literally doing to their property value. They can't, they can't see what they're doing to the, uh, the restaurant industry in their cities and states, they, and they don't care. Because all that matters is defeating Trump. All that matters is keeping this economy lagging and dragging so they can beat Trump. So they can regain power for themselves. So here comes Harvard canceling in-person classes. Guess what that also means? That sends a signal to every other college to do it too. And high school. So that, you know, Trump's out there saying, we got to open the schools. We got to open the schools. Guess what? The left doesn't want the schools open. So what does this mean? That means you can't go back to work. If your kids are at home, you can't go back to work. What does that mean for the economy? What does it mean for your sanity? Your kids can't go back to school. You can't leave the house because the lockdowns in these states are going to continue. You're going to go insane. You're going to go Looney Tunes. Kids are moving back home with their parents. Going to be doing college classes from their parents' house, from their basements. They're not going to be living on their own. They're not going to be learning how to live on their own. They are going to be getting an education by way of Internet connection. And their university is going to tell them it's just as good, just as valuable, just as impactful as if you were here on our campus. Well, that's going to be, that's going to be, eh, they might be able to sell that, I don't know. But if they try to charge the same prices for it, people are going to soon figure, I think people are already figuring out how much money they no longer are going to have to spend to live and work in certain areas of the country. And who's doing Democrats doing it to themselves. Pure and simple. It's an amazing thing to watch. So you've got, let's say, you've got a kid. You have a child. You have a student at Harvard. And you're really proud. Oh, it's the greatest thing when your kid got into Harvard. So proud. 
bragging rights, all that stuff. Kids' future guaranteed. Going to learn how to wear the right pants and the right shoes for the right job in Washington. Going to know how to talk to people. Going to know how to behave. Going to know how to become an elitist. Oh, it's perfect. And then Harvard sends out a note says, oh, by the way, don't bother sending your kid here because we're not going to have in-person classes. Which means Professor Dershowitz can teach in the nude if he wants. You know, he goes to a nudist beach on Martha's Vineyard. I read it in the New York Post today. There's apparently a nudist beach on Martha's Vineyard. And Professor Dershowitz goes to it, but he hasn't been seen there in a while because of this Epstein business. Ghislaine Maxwell apprehended. Let me ask you a question. If Ghislaine Maxwell doesn't make it, if they take her to the New York Correctional Center where Epstein supposedly committed suicide with a bed sheet on that cheap little bed, and if she somehow doesn't make it, if she's if she commits suicide uh, or if she's murdered, I want to see them try to sell. You know what? We just had another system-wide breakdown. We're sorry. We just, uh, I don't know, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Why did it go wrong after what happened with Epstein himself? Why couldn't you put procedures? In? We thought we had, but you know, this is a rotten place to work, and some of the guards here are some of the guards ought to be behind bars themselves in a place like this, so we don't know. But I'll tell you this, folks. I'm going to tell you, there are all kinds of of powerful, wealthy people about whom Ghislaine Maxwell knows everything. Do you know how many hidden cameras there were in Epstein's homes? His mansion on 71st in New York City has got that private island with that temple, that oddball, gold-domed, blue-striped temple. He had hidden cameras everywhere. He had in his, if you go to just a picture of Epstein's New York apartment, that, that, that townhouse, there's a, there's a window right above the front door. Behind that window and recessed is the room. The room that is shrouded in lead so that whatever is in there cannot be destroyed magnetically. That's where all the monitors were. That's where all the monitors from all the massage rooms, <laughs> massage rooms, all the bedrooms, that's where Epstein and Ghislaine would go in there and watch what's going on. He was running a blackmail operation. That's how he had so much wealth. And she knows it all. She knows the guys, the people that went in and out of uh, Epstein's place. I met Epstein once down here. Let's see, where was it? Um, he was s- s- some weird place. He's just sitting alone somewhere outside. Some it was a. I-, I don't even know where it was, but I-, I had I had met you know some woman that knew him, so I went, "Hey, you know, I know somebody that knows you." And da-da-da-da-da. he said, "Was she nuts? Because they all are." <laughs> How the hell do I answer this? Was she nuts? Because they all are. That's what he said to me. Then he invited me to lunch. I didn't reply. 
I didn't go. No, 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 no. I didn't. I did not even did not even reply. Anyway, uh, let's see. I just I folks, I think this Harvard decision and much like. People are learning that you don't have to live where you're working. That means you don't have to pay what it costs to live near where you're working. I think these leftists are, maybe some of them are aware of what they're doing. I don't know. But I, I think they are so blinded by their hatred for Trump and their desire to get rid of him that they are running risks of permanent change and damage that they may not be able to recover from. In, in some of these uh, states, large cities in these states. Anyway, I have to take a break. We've got more coming up right after this. Hey, Mr. Sturdley, quick political question. You're going to vote for Tucker Carlson for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024? You're not? Hmm. Because apparently the Republican Party is excited about that. Well, I'm telling you what I'm reading. Hey, folks, millions of Americans, I like Tucker. No, 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 don't misunderstand. I think Tucker's great. I'm just asking you the question. It's in the news out there. I know you're into that party stuff. Millions of Americans, including three former U.S. presidents, have at least one thing in common. They all agree Bolin Branch sheets are the softest organic cotton sheets that you can get at that price point. And you'll agree with them. You will, too. The moment you take delivery of your first set, you put them on the bed, you get in there, you will agree with them. Bolden Branch works with, who are the three, George Washington, John Adams, and John Quincy Adams. Those are the three presidents agree that Bolden Branch are the softest sheets that they've ever slept on. Bolden Branch works with family-owned mills all over the world to weave the specific organic cotton that's used in making every set of Bolden Branch sheets. I mean, these sheets are so soft. Believe me, you will notice it. If you don't, you can send them back for a full refund, folks. You'll realize it when you first experience, you know, you got to unpack them and you put them on the bed. They get softer as you use them. You'd have to go to a four-star, five-star hotel suite, or maybe spend a 1000 bucks at a retail department store to experience this. But you don't have to because Bolin Branch didn't want to go into business where the product they're selling is a 1000 bucks. Their price point's 250 And they knock $50 off your first set, if you mention my name. And, and they like selling directly to you on the internet because they like having a direct relationship with every customer. Now, for this particular time, Bolden Branch sheets are now starting at just 160, not 250. I threw that number out there so I could even more pleasantly surprise you. $160. These are $1,000 quality sheets for 160 bucks. And you can sleep on them free for a month. And if after 30 days they aren't what I led you to believe, send them back and they'll refund your money. That's how confident they are. In addition, you will get the $50 off any set you choose if you use 
my name as the promo code. It's B-O-L-L. There's two L's in there. Bowlandbranch.com. Promo code is RUSH. $50 off. And it says here, sheets start at just 160 bucks. Time to go to town on this. You'll be giving these away as presents as well. Okay, uh, let's see. Some things i got to get in here. Uh, oh, Mr. Snurdly, would you vote for Kanye West? Kanye, you know, before we start just discard, what what is Kanye West doing? If Kanye West actually runs, who does it hurt? It hurts Biden. It take 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 the uh, African American vote away from Biden if he's serious about this. Uh, I don't know, man. I and the Washington Redskins getting ready to change their name. Dan Snyder said they would never ever do it. The owner of the team. But now he's got pressure from sponsors, his partners. Now there's talk that Snyder may say, you know what the hell with this? I'm just going to sell the whole thing. Just sell the team and come up with a name that's close enough to what it is now that they wouldn't have to change their uniforms because they don't have time to change the uniforms. They don't have time to change all licensed merchandise. They have to do something about the logo uh, on the the helmet. Uh, But... But this is, and, and they're being pressured by Nike. Nike has pulled Washington Redskins gear from uh, from their store. And I got the Cleveland the Indians are thinking about changing the name of their team because of all of this. And after all of this happens, do you think people are going to be happy? They won't be. This isn't going to solve anything. It's not going to make Colin Kaepernick happy. It's not going to make anybody. It's not going to stop these planned protests, which now coaches are saying they're going to lead. They're going to join their players in kneeling. The NFL has announced they're going to play the black national anthem prior to week one games. It's called Lift Every Voice and Sing. That is the African-American national. It's going to play that. Then they're going to play the national anthem for the white supremacists. Uh, oh, say can you see? Uh, and and then they're going to and then they're going to kneel, and then, and then the coaches are going to lead the kneeling. Uh, the Redskins are going to have changed their name, uh, and everybody's just going to be so happy. Everybody's just going to be so excited, except they won't be. It's like my dad used to tell me after a. And I come in late on a Friday night. I said, you boys have fun? Like, oh, yeah, Dad. No, you didn't. You think you did, but you didn't. These people are going to think they've done something wonderful and great, but it ain't going to change anything. When they change the name of the Washington Redskins to the Red Tails or whatever it's going to be, there isn't going to be any magic happiness. There isn't going to be people, oh, man, we're so good. We are so nice. We're so decent. And and because of that, you know, it's going to be a letdown. It's going to end up being a letdown because it's not going to have a substantive positive impact. I mean, people will be running around saying it is, but it isn't going to be. 
what they think it's going to be. Let me uh, see. Here is uh, Jonathan Derby, Kansas. Great to have you on the EIB Network, sir. Hello. Hello, Rush. It's an honor to talk to you, sir. Great to have you with us today. Thank you very much. I'm calling because at the top of the second hour you were talking about uh, what students are learning in high school. I'm a uh, U.S. history teacher at a high school here in Kansas, and I can tell you uh, that um, you know, you're right to an extent about the curriculum, how it's all written by leftists. The Howard Zinn narrative permeates a lot of what's in our textbooks. Uh, but I can only speak uh, for my own part about my own experience with the colleagues that I have, most of whom are on the left, but uh, most of whom are also decent people that try to be objective and fair. I think uh, a contributing problem is that they don't really know how to con- uh, articulate the conservative um, ideology or philosophy on American history, they haven't been exposed to it. Uh, The kids certainly haven't been exposed to it. Uh, And I think that um, what's really important is that the conservative message uh, get out, get out any way it can, especially to kids uh, through applications that they use, like Wait, 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 there is no conservative version of the founding. The founding is the founding. And they are distorting it, and they are destroying it. They're lying about it. They're making it out to be something that it isn't. You don't have to have an understanding of conservatism in order to teach the founding of the country properly. But you're right. These these teachers do not have an understanding of conservatism. They haven't been taught it. The teachers, for for the last two generations, the teachers, that's where it started. That's why the teachers are the problem. They've already been indoctrinated. There is, conservatism equals racism. It equals bigotry. They don't think it's it warrants being studied because it's so reprehensible. It's so bad. It's so terrible. But but there there is no conservative version of the founding. What what do you mean by that? Well, I, not necessarily the founding. The founding is what it is, uh, and it's pretty cut and dry. But, uh, for instance, um, talking about the New Deal or talking about the Cold War, um, it, a lot of uh, – talking about the Civil Rights Movement, oh. uh, a lot of okay. gets, taught, uh, gets taught through their lens uh, and their perspective on it. Oh, absolutely. Um, now, that's for, true. For instance, you know, the big switch uh, that really didn't happen – uh, between the two parties, it, you ask your average high school kid today, they'll tell you that Abraham Lincoln was a Democrat uh, and that the Republicans were responsible for KKK and, and Jim Crow and segregation. Uh, and while, again, a lot of the colleagues that I have know that to not be true, um, they, whether purposefully or, or not, tend to kind of perpetuate that. Um, and And more so, the kids aren't really listening to us as much as we would hope. Uh, they're really uh, drawing their inspiration from pop culture icons and voices on social media. Uh, and that's where, you know, for instance, uh, one of our students recently posted something to the effect of, you know, all this violence and writing is justified because of all the centuries of racism and discrimination. I guarantee he didn't hear that from one of our teachers. I guarantee he heard that from some nut job radical leftist on the Internet who is cool. This cool is where I understand. But- yeah. I'm telling you, I disagree with you. Now, I know I'm out on a limb because I have not attended these 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 classrooms. I am I'm telling you that that has been taught in the classroom. 
I'm telling you that it is taught in the classroom. I'm not discounting what you said about social media. It's 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 obviously a major destructive, poisonous factor. But there are professors who are teaching that dribble. There are teachers who have been teaching it about Trump and about about the um, any any other number of Republican presidents and figures, uh, and and they do it in history class. They corrupt history, turn it into current events class, and that and and that's where they cover this. But I guarantee you, this is this is taught. Look, social media is how old, but this corruption of education is at least two generations of fifty years. Well, you know, let's just say 35 to 40 on the outside. A generation is usually 25 years, but we'll, we'll say it's 20. So for 40 years, this crap, the stuff that you describe as, as being only on social media, has been taught in the classroom. It's not, it's not a big deal. I'm not trying to call you out on it. But I'm, I'm, what I'm doing here is trying to make sure that, that teachers... These particular corrupt left-wing activists are not given a pass because they are every bit as culpable as social media. For all we know, they could be doubling down on social media. Uh, and you're right, it's elsewhere in pop culture. You find it in... Uh, in Did you see, by the way, what happened to Lynn, uh, the guy that did Hamilton, Lynn Manuel Miranda? Well... You know, they, they, they put Hamilton on Disney Plus uh, over the weekend. And Lin-Manuel Miranda is an accredited, accepted uh, leftist voice in entertainment. And they got mad at him. They got mad at him because he didn't make a big enough deal at the outset of the play every night that Hamilton was a racist slave-owning pig. So Lin-Manuel Miranda has apologized for not properly acknowledging that Hamilton was a reprobate, slave-owning, racist pig. He did. I saw it over the weekend. It's a bunch of accredited liberals. The, the, the libs loved that play. They, that means they thought it was the great... I can't tell you. I, I first heard about it. I was out in Los Angeles playing golf. Uh, at at a at a at a, got at a golf club which has many members of the uh, Hollywood entertainment community, and they, these guys one day, well, have you seen Hamilton? I didn't know what it was because I don't go to musicals because I can't hear them. And oh, you got you even if you you got to go, it is the greatest. Oh, you gotta go, you gotta see it. I don't care what scalper price you gotta pay, you gotta go see it. This was a famous, famous well-known, pinnacle-of-the-field Hollywood writer, sitcom TV writer, telling me about You gotta go. It's the greatest thing on earth. Uh, and a lot of people love it because it's the greatest. And now, I just find it fascinating that even something as universally popular as that among liberal entertainment circles has now itself come under assault. Uh no, only one person on my staff laughed. I got an email during the break. Did your staff fall for it when you said the three presidents that like Bald and Branch sheets are George Washington, John Adams, and John Quincy Adams? 
I said only one of them laughed in there. So either they weren't listening or they didn't know. Anyway, I gotta take a quick time out. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Hey, if you think that the NFL playing the Black National Anthem before week one games is bad, get this. The NBA, the National Basketball Association, and its players union have agreed on 29 social justice messages players can wear on their jerseys during the games. Players will have a list of 29 statements from which to choose to put on the back of their jerseys in place of their names for the first four days of the league's resumption in Orlando. You think this is going to make them happy? You think it's going to I guarantee you that this is going to lead to, Jesus, that all there is? Type of reactions. Anyway, uh, months ago, the IRS extended the 2019 tax filing date. It's now next Wednesday, July 15th. This is because of coronavirus and the shutdown and all that. Uh, it was April 15th. They extended it to July 15th. Uh, and but this, this is giving cyber hackers, folks, another excuse to con a bunch of people into sharing their tax information, social security numbers and all that. Uh, this is all they need to steal your online identity. And if you get an email from the IRS, it's going to look official. It's going to can contain a link and you're going to click. Don't do it. The IRS doesn't send emails. The IRS doesn't send links for you to click on. If you get something that's uh, from the IRS, ignore it. Email what? Ignore it. Uh, I'll tell you, these hackers are good at what they do online. They make the stuff they send look real and official and intimidating. If the IRS wants to be in touch with you, they're going to use regular mail, not email. Whether it's this week's online scam or the next one, protecting your identity is a must. LifeLock is how you do it. LifeLock systems monitor billions of online transactions every day. They're looking for evidence that your identity has been stolen. They alert you to it. If they think that's happened, then they shut it down and stop it. They have a restoration team of people that does nothing but work on your case until you are fixed. Your situation is fixed. There's nobody does what LifeLock does. A lot of people try, but nobody is in their league. It takes just minutes to sign up at LifeLock.com. You can be protected starting this afternoon. It's that quick. LifeLock.com. Use my name and you'll save 25% off your first year's membership. LifeLock.com. Offer code is Rush. Here's Barbara Nottingham, Maryland. Welcome. I'm glad you waited. Hello. Hi, Rush. A pleasure to speak to you. Um, first off, I want to say um, congratulations on your good health report from the beginning of the program. And we're all praying that continues. Um, I wanted to let the, you and your uh, listeners know that in Baltimore, our Columbus statue was torn down on Saturday, July the 4th, which is in our little Italy neighborhood here in Baltimore. Today, a group of people got together and hired a private diving company. They've pulled that statue out of the harbor, and from what I understand from news reports, there are artists who have uh, volunteered to help restore the statue. Wow. So I'm just glad that some people are doing something about this. I don't know if this has happened in any other city, but I I hope it I hope it starts uh, people doing that because you mean that the clowns who tore it down didn't go in there and get it? Um, you mean the protesters? Yeah. No, they well they just threw it into the harbor and um, 
private citizens, um, John Pico. Yeah, what did they think was going to happen? It was just going to stay there? Yeah, I guess. I guess. But uh, I've heard of statues being thrown in in, uh, the water in other cities as well as ours. I don't know which ones, but the... I guess the cities that have harbors that are close enough to drag. Well, I understand. I understand you feeling proud. Um, people getting together, banding together like that to uh, to counter the the activity. Look, I'm really glad you called, Barbara, and I appreciate the fact that you uh, you held on. We have to go, folks, because of the constraints of the programming format's time clock. Back in a second. Okay, so this guy, Dan Balls, has a piece in a Washington Post today. Trump turned July 4th into a partisan event. Damage could be long-lasting. It ends this way. In three and a half years as president, Trump has never tried to expand his appeal, never sought to win over those who opposed him in 2016. Who the hell are they? The intelligence community and the people behind the Russian coup? He's supposed to try to win those people over? Those people? My God. Goodness, folks, this is outrageous. Those people need to be defeated again and again and again. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it'll get you, though? For just $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values. Go to puretalk.com slash clay to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash clay. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young kids, builds specially adapted smart homes for severely injured veterans, and is working to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He has never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades-in-arms, nor the efforts of his first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel of Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org.